1967, there's Kim Weston with the Northern Soul favourite that is I Got What You Need. And live on the phone from Detroit, I've got the legend that is Kim Weston. Kim, welcome to England. Thank you, darling. Hello, everybody. <laughs> now, tell me about your new CD, Kim Weston, live in Detroit, 1978. Well, um, you really want the truth, don't you, darling? Yeah. Okay. The truth is, I had never heard it until Paul Stewart Davis played it for me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I had never heard it. He called me and told me, Kim, he was all excited. And I had no idea what he was talking about, even though I, I remembered the performance. Yeah. Uh, it's at the or, uh, Orchestra Hall, which at that time was called Paradise Valley. Okay, lovely. And it's um full of uh, jazz classics? Yes, um, I did a tribute to Dinah Washington. Lovely, and it's selling very, very well as well, isn't it? That's what uh, Paul said. Yeah. And it's... he only pressed up a few. He didn't press up many. Well, there might need to be a second pressing at this rate. That's good news. So, how did it all begin for you, Kim? Because actually, Kim, not not your real given name, is it? No, my real name is Agatha Nathalia Weston. Wow. So, how, how did you come by Kim? Uh... They messed up Agatha so much when I was at Motown <laughs> when they suggested, <laughs> when they suggested uh, giving me Kim. I said, okay. Yeah, let's just do it. But you were always going to be a performer, weren't you? Didn't you start singing at three years old? I did my first solo at three, yes. Wow. I suppose that was in church. In church. Yeah. That solo was a song that I heard my mother sing okay. all the time. And um, you took to it. You joined a gospel group, didn't you, in your teenage years? Tell me about the right specials. How did that come about? It just it was it formed in church at school. Who else were in the group? Do you no, remember? Actually, actually, and you know, no one has ever asked me that question. Okay. Um, I met the first soprano of the group uh, when I first went to the group. The group was called the Christianaires, mm-hmm. and I met the first soprano, Carrie Jones, right. and we met at um, cosmetology school. Oh, right. I was taking up cosmetology, mm-hmm. and uh, when she found out that I could sing, she told me that she was in a group that was looking for someone. Lovely, because it was with the right specials that you first became involved with Motown Records, wasn't it? On the Divinity Actually, label? I had that. Yes, uh, the first time I went to Motown was with the right specials. Yeah. You released two forty fives on the Divinity label, one of which was called 99 and a Half Won't Do. Let's give it a play. <laughs> What was that experience like? Because uh, Motown was an exciting, um, uh, it was a hive of industry in 1961, wasn't it? That wasn't done in 61. Oh. I went there in 61 Okay. as Agatha, solo singer, but I was with the right specials there. It was either the latter part of 59 or the beginning of 60. Right. How, how did you uh, get signed as a solo artist? Did they single you out? Did you already know somebody there? Actually, I had... Um, I had produced a, a concert at my church, mm-hmm. Greater Phillips Temple, AOH Church of God, and the, a young man in the audience, after the performance, he complimented me and, and told me I was a female James Cleveland. Right. 
and he asked if I would be interested in doing some demos. And um, the demos were for a young man named Johnny Thornton. I did the demos, and come to find out, Johnny Thornton was the cousin of Eddie and Brian Holland. Nice. And Eddie, Eddie Holland was at the demo session. Lovely. And they picked you up, signed you. Well, your debut release was called Love Me All The Way, and that broke the Hot 100, didn't it? Well, actually, that was the B-side. Oh, right. That was the, the, the A-side was, um, I can't think of the name was of it, it, but I didn't like it. It, it, should have, it should have been me, wasn't it? It should have been me. <laughs> yeah, it should have been me. <laughs> and, and what happened was, I co-wrote Love Me All The Way okay. with Mickey Stevens. Mm-hmm. Nice track. Let's give it a spin. Of course, Mickey was your husband at the time, was he? No, that was when I first got there. All right. As a matter of fact, the day that Mickey and I wrote that song, I was telling the receptionist to let Holland Dozier and Holland know Mm -hmm. that I was not coming back. All right. Because I had been riding the bus there for two weeks and nothing had happened. I had been sitting in the lobby for two weeks and I said I would not be back. Yeah. And Mickey heard me. Right. Well, uh, Love Me All The Way was very well received and uh, you started touring, appearing on the bell with uh, Marvin Gaye. Oh, it was a little while before that happened because what actually happened is that the, the DJs turned the song over mm-hmm. and a lot of people thought I was saying something else. That was before people really got as bad as they are now. They're saying yeah. some of everything, but that was not what I was saying. Right. I was saying that if you're going to love me, I don't want to get in another relationship unless they're going to love me all the way. And I wasn't talking about sexually. No. Even though, uh, you know, that adds up. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, is it right you were offered the song Dancing in the Street? Was, wasn't that originally intended for you? Well, what happened was, and this is a scoop for you, My Baby Loves Me yeah. was written for me. All right. Okay. And... Mickey, who was my husband at that time, he mm. was also Martha's producer. Mm. He gave it to Martha. Right. So what happened, he took dancing in the street. I did not turn it down. Right. It was taken from me. But Marvin and Ivy wrote dancing in the street for me because he took my baby lesson. Ah, I see. Oh, dear. But uh, a little while later, you came back with um, a big hit, didn't you? Take Me In Your Arms, Rock Me A Little While. Yeah. It's a great piece of classic Motown. See, one of my favourite tracks of yours and one of my prized possessions in my collection is um, a track that actually got withdrawn in the US. It's called A Little More Love. What a beautiful, beautiful record. You also made... Oh, yeah. It also got you on um, UK TV, didn't it? Alongside the Beatles. You know, I was the first Motown artist to come to Great Britain. Oh, right. And... 
David Gordon. Did you know David? No, no. Passed away now, hasn't he? Bless him. David David Gordon, who's the one that really came up with the name uh, Northern Soul, met me at the airport. I brought the Funk Brothers and Miss Maxine Powell with me. Mm -hmm. When I got off the plane, there was David with a bunch of uh, Northern Soulers who didn't have a name at that time. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you enjoy your little visit to England? Oh, it was it was wonderful. I was scheduled to be on a PJ Proby tour. Okay. And through the grace of God, they canceled. Well, this really doesn't sound right, but through the grace of God, I, I'm going to leave it like that. Through the grace of God, they canceled that tour right. and put me on. Oh, 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 oh. I'm having a senior moment. You do know I'm 81, right? Yeah. The Pacemakers. All right, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Jerry and the Pacemakers. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Which was sold out. Wow, excellent. You know, but I, yeah, I had a chance to to work with Marianne Faithful, mm-hmm. and I really were able to bond, and I sure would love to see her. So, I, if there's anybody that can reach her for me, let her know that I still love her. Right, I'll do my best. Um, when Mary Wells left Motown in 1964, uh, you got partnered up with Marvin Gaye. Right. But I was I was traveling with Marvin while he was recording with me. Right. No one no one really knew that. No. I was traveling with him before he recorded with Mary. Right. I was Marvin's co-star. Ah, fantastic. What was he like to work with? Wonderful. Mm. Whoever they say he turned into, I didn't know that person. No. But the one that I worked with, he was marvelous. Mm. Wonderful. And the first song that Marvin sung was at three. First, his first solo was at three in Washington. All right. And guess what song he sung? Um, duh. The same song that the you same did. Same song I sung. Fantastic. At three years old, in two different locations, we both sung the same song. Lovely, lovely. Um, your first duet together was um, "What Good Am I Without You." Right. That did quite well, didn't it? Got to sixty one on the pop chart, twenty eight on the R and B. What was the what was the chemistry like? Well, was we, it... did, we did quite a few things, and and uh, I don't like I said what the CD that that, that Paul mm-hmm. discovered. I had never heard it. Right. That's me singing. I do know that's me yeah. singing. <laughs> you know, but but uh, I had never heard it. So there are still some songs that I can't name yeah. uh, songs, but there are songs that. Um, Marvin and I did that I haven't heard. Yeah. Well, of course, one that you uh, did with Marvin that everybody everywhere has heard is It Takes Two. And it still gets airplay in the UK over 50 years later. Wow. Let's give it a play. did an album with him and that is still being played in the uk it's 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 a very familiar track congratulations well i said i'll tell you look my favorite of the ones that i have heard is secret love so i wish everybody would just check that one certainly it's a great take on the doris day classic
Shortly after you partnered with Marvin, you um, decided to leave Motown. What, what was the thinking behind that, please? Well, actually, my husband was leaving, mm-hmm. and so I was going to go with him. Right. Uh, but, of course, the, the problem was that um, the record broke as you were leaving, and um, then Motown didn't want to pay any royalties, did they? Well, they didn't release... Actually, they released it. They claimed they didn't know I was leaving, but I no. think they were trying to keep me from leaving, but they had not treated me fair mm-hmm. while I was there, so why would I stay? Yeah, absolutely. So yourself and Mickey went to MGM. Right. Was that... Uh, I mean, MGM was a, a much larger corporation at the time. Um was it uh, a nicer place oh, to work? Well, I mean, it wasn't like Motown because um, we started our own record company, Venture Records, out in, oh, right. in Beverly Hills, yeah, yeah. California. Um, you started uh, singing a bit of jazz then for the first time with um, one of your albums at MGM. Right, but I'll tell you what. Yeah? If you check out my second release, which was a song that I co-wrote with Mickey also, called Just Loving You. Oh, right. I think you will hear the sound that I was able to do with the Count Basie Orchestra that backed me on uh, for the first time. Lovely. Let's have a listen. What I was able to do once I went to MGM, who didn't push me, but I was able to do it, and I was able to work with the renowned Count Basie mm-hmm. and his orchestra and the musicians and his band was so phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that within itself, just the experience of being able to work with that caliber, I'm, even though the, the guys at Motown were that caliber, but they were not playing that type of music. No. Um, so at MGM, with you moving away from um, the soul genre, was that your decision? Have you always had a lean into jazz? Or was that MGM give you a bit of um, direction? We think you ought to be, we'll pair you up with Count Basie? Um, what actually happened, I believe, is that, um, and you know, I've, I've never uh, talked about this on an interview, is that before I left Motown, when the four tops came to Motown, mm-hmm. you know what? It's such a blessing what's being done for me with the CD. Mm-hmm. What God is is giving me to give to you, I've never, I've never ever talked in it, about in an interview. Right. Just before I left Motown, I started working with Billy Eckstein. Yeah. Well, he was signed to Motown at the same time, wasn't he? Well, he wasn't there at the beginning. No. The four tops were traveling with Motown. Mm-hmm. And uh, Motown had been trying to get the Four Tops, but they didn't want to come to Motown because they were singing jazz. Right. Okay. And they were on tour with Billy Eckstein. Mickey Stevenson talked them into coming to Motown. And as, as soon as they got there, they got a hit. Yeah. So Billy replaced them with me. Right. 
And in the process of all of that, Billy decided to come and give Motown a try. Mm, I see. But, but, but before, before we leave that, the reason I went there is because I've never thought about this before, but I'm almost sure that Billy Eckstein was responsible right. for me being able to sing with the Count Basie Orchestra. Lovely. Because actually what happened was I secured a, 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 a date with them at the Empire State Building. Right. Which was the whole... Another circuit. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. On your second album at MGM called This Is America, it featured um, what's now become uh, known as a bit of an anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Well, in fact, you were the first pop artist to uh, record that, weren't you? First pop artist, but Mahalia Jackson, I believe that's who I heard singing. Right. But I learned it in kindergarten. Oh, right. At five. Yeah. In fact, didn't you open the, um, oh, what was it, Wattstacks? Wattstacks, yes. Yeah. I mean, that was in a stadium, wasn't it, in Los Angeles? That was at the Los Angeles Coliseum. What an experience that must have been. Here we've got some live footage of your performance on the day. Listen to this. Mr. Kim Weston, the Black National Anthem. Tell me about that, because you opened the event with that anthemic song. That must have been such a thrill. Well, I actually opened with the Star Spangled Banner. Okay. But the the event was sponsored by Stax Records mm-hmm. to um, try and uplift the uh, community in California after the riot. Yeah. And so Stax brought all of the artists, Isaac Hayes, Rufus Thomas, the Barcades, Booker T and MGs, uh, Carla Thomas, all of them are on that um, Watch That show. Yeah. And um, Al Bell, who was... Um, he was a president, president, wasn't he? Yeah. He had, he, Al used to be a DJ, and that's I met him when he was a DJ. Right. So I, I recorded Lift Every Voice with MGM. Right. You left MGM and went to work with uh, Johnny Nash. You made one album together and brought us great music like this. Track one, side one, this is It's Gonna Be Better. It's gonna be better, baby. It's gonna What was it like working with Johnny Nash? I didn't get a chance to work with Johnny like I had worked with Marvin. No. But the time that we spent together, it was precious. Yeah, bless him. So you went to Stax in 71. How was that? Because uh, they just recovered from being um, <coughs> involved with Atlantic Records and they were, they were moving out on a, a new on a new management, so to speak. Was it an exciting time? Yeah, it was It was different. <laughs> it was definitely different from Motown. Yeah. Uh, Motown had a different kind of system, but I wasn't able to be there long enough to, to get to what I thought I saw because I saw something very special. Yeah. I love the rapport between 
the company and the artist yeah. as far as the artist security is concerned. Right. The artists were taken care of in a different way, and I appreciated what I saw. I'd just like to play a track from the album you did at Stax. The album was called Kim, 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 and this tune is You Just Don't Know. Um, but you were uh, you ended up leaving Stax, I assume, because they were in a bit of disarray with the IRS. Because it was quite a tumultuous time, wasn't it, in the early seventies in Stax? Management was well, changing. Distri- um, yeah, one thing I don't know how many people I don't know how many people really know about this, but um, the business is nothing like it was. Yeah, I can imagine. Because I was there during the time of Shaft. Oh yeah. And um, I was scheduled for a release. And when I came to check on it, I found out that um, everything was in disarray because Shaft had been bootlegged. Oh, right. And that was the beginning of the end. And yeah. then the IRS, well, it wasn't so much that I left Stax. Stax just started falling apart and I yeah. just didn't get in the way. Oh, dear. It must have been in a very uncertain environment you were working in. Um, but the uh, the artists, they just got on with it, didn't they? They just, they just worked through as it fell apart around them. There must be so much great music that never saw the light of day. People were people were steady recording because just like at Motown, I was over there. Um, I don't know exactly where it is, but one of one of my favorite Motown songs of all time mm-hmm. is a song called "Sugar Baby." He's my baby. Yeah, that stayed on the show for a lot of years, didn't it? Which is such a shame because it's a great track. I wanna tell you about my baby. I wanna tell you about my sugar baby. I had not heard that song from the time I recorded it until I was over in the UK and I heard one of the DJs playing it and I said, well, who is that? They sound just like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just talking about music that people have not heard. Yeah. And I've forgotten all about it. Yeah. You know? So after you finished with Stax, you didn't record again for 15 years. How did you occupy your time? I don't think that's so. I was recording at our studio in California. Oh, right. Mickey's got all that. Yeah, Mickey's got all that. All right. Um... You've always been very community conscious. In the 70s, you spent a lot of time on community projects, didn't you, in art groups? I've done it all my life because I was raised in church. Mm. At the concert that the the young man uh, directed me toward Motown, I had formed three choirs through the grace of God. Mm. And that's the performance. That's why he was saying that I was singing, I was playing the piano, I was directing the choir and sung solos and you say, uh, you a female James Cleveland, you know, you remember when I said? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Is it right you... I was, working with the, I was working with the young people all that time. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it right you relocated to Israel for a while and worked with young singers? I was in Israel for three years. When I went there, though, I was uh, I went there because of my health. Mm-hmm. And um, then I met the Hebrews 
uh, Hebrew Israelites while I was there mm-hmm. and saw all the talent there. And um, as a matter of fact, I had been to the American Embassy mm-hmm. to speak with them about doing a similar program as I had done in America. For 17 years, I did a youth program called Festival for the Performing Arts. Oh, say. And from that program, I have young people that are with all of your professionals now. Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Usher, Nelly. I have young people from my program working with them right now. Lovely. That must be such a proud feeling. Give you a nice warm glow. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, it wasn't my program anyway. It was God. I told the kids, I said, it's God's program. Mm -hmm. I said, because I don't think I have the patience. (laughs) It's the good God. (laughs) So... Skipping forward a couple of years, then you met um, Ian Levine, and you became the first Motown artist to sign with his Motor City Records. In fact, the single. I met Ian Levine. Sorry. I met Ian Levine when he was fourteen. Really? Yeah, he used to make trips to America, yeah. didn't he, with his parents? Yes, they met on the airplane, and as a matter of fact, I was in the studio doing an overdub, and Mickey brought this little Jewish boy and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> introduced him to me and left. <laughs> And I was getting ready to go shopping when I finished dubbing in. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended I ended up taking him with me. Up and um, when I found out that he was producing yeah. and he was interested in me, I thought I would give it a try. Lovely. Well, I mean, it produced some good results. Signal Your Intention was the single from the album Investigate, and that reached number one in the uh, UK high energy chart. Uh, very well received Thank in you. the dance halls. Yeah. Should we give it a play? Nobody ever told me that. Oh, yeah, in the high-energy charts. I don't even have that information for my record. Well, I got it now, huh? Yeah. Um, tell me about turning your hand to uh, playing music rather than recording it. You became a disc jockey, didn't you, on a local Detroit station? Has radio always want- yeah, well, been... Has it always been a passion of yours? Well, um, my father was on the radio. Oh, right. And so, you know, it's just a normal part of life, I felt. Mm. You know, but I, before um, coming back and getting on WCHB, before I left California, mm-hmm. I was on the Armed Force Radio. All right. And they tell me that my show went to number one. Excellent. Did you get to choose your tracks you played or was it was the station playlisted? Oh, no. It was my format, totally. Wow, what a buzz. And, of course, you've always been very supportive of the troops, haven't you? Well... I've had a passion for veterans mm-hmm. that I'm, I've been trying to understand why. I mean, it's a serious thing, but um, being born in the church, the Bible says when somebody lay down their life for you, they're special, aren't they? Yeah. Are they willing to lay down their life for you? Mm-hmm. So I've always had a passion as far as veterans are concerned, and um, that was during the time of Vietnam. Oh, wow, yeah. And I really had, I was scheduled to go, but when I went to get my um, exam, to get my uh, visa and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. I found out that I had two fibroid tumors the size of small oranges. Oh, dear. And uh, uh, my doctor said that there was such a long flight that there was a possibility that the pressure would burst the tumors because they needed to come out anyway, he said. Yeah. But, uh, boy, you're bringing up some stuff I hadn't thought about. In a- <laughs> <laughs>
Um, you were inducted into the inaugural class of the official Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame at Cleveland State, Cleveland State University. That was nice. Yes, I was the first female thing. It seems like I'm... And the first of a lot yeah. of stuff, but the only problem <laughs> with being first is people forget about you sometimes. Yeah. But um, that, that must have been nice to have been recognised. Of course it was. Yeah. Of course. I have a saying that what good is a gift if you have no one to give it to? Yes, that's true. That's okay? true. Yeah. And if you have a gift, the gift is not given to you to keep. It's given to you to, to share. To pass on, to share, absolutely. Yeah. If it's appreciated, then to God be the good. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing your music for all these years. Right. Thank you very much for the chat. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you thank all the best you, for the darling, future. One thing I do want mm-hmm. uh, let you know that Great Britain is responsible through the glory of God, the grace of God, for the career of Kim Weston, because that's where most of my support come from, has been, and is. So I'm waiting to get back there. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. You'll have to come to Newark again. You, you performed Newark in 2006. Well, I was I was scheduled to be there in October. Ah, oh, right. And hopefully, I don't know if you're familiar with Phil Dick, the promoter. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're hoping for July. Yeah. Oh. We've been doing doing the show over here, and it's like with uh, Legends of the Detroit area. Yeah, Detroit to go-go. I've been trying to get over there for, for a good while, so I believe that... Uh, the people would enjoy it. Oh, very much. So I look forward to meeting you in person then next year. Yes, darling. Well, no. God bless you and thank you so much, okay? And thanks to everybody. Thanks to everybody that got this, the CD and we're going to see what else we can do. Excellent. Okay. Look forward to that. All right, darling. Thank you. Bye. God bless. So there we go. The uh, event Kim was talking about, of course, is Detroit a go-go. That's uh, planned for COVID permitting 30th of July to the 2nd of August 2021. And you can reserve your tickets at DetroitAGoGo.com. Don't miss out. That's going to be a great, great weekend at the Beachcomber Holiday Park in Cleethorpes. So I'm going to finish the interview and play out with one of the tracks from the new CD, Kim Weston, Live in Detroit, 1978. This is called Detroit, That's My Hometown. Mayor Young in Detroit, this is for you, okay? Join me, if you will, on the park. 